0: Hello everyone with the program, I'm Tej with the Lovewood Service Radio and today I am joined with Nate Spencer at Surya and we will be interviewing Rashmi Tappa. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you Tej, I'm glad I'm here today. I am a cardiologist right now and I work in Kansas. I was born and raised in Nepal. I was not born in a very in a very well-to-do family, but um, we had lots of love at home. I have an elder brother and a younger brother, and uh, my parents were both uh, uh, service people. You know, they were not professionals, but they tried really hard to educate us, and uh, that was their priority in their lives. So uh, I had a wonderful time growing up. Um, you know, I from my childhood I was given the values by my parents that I should respect the elders and love the younger ones. And for some reason I have a deep connection or love and a sense of duty towards my motherland Nepal. In 2015 uh, there was a big earthquake in Nepal and uh, the earthquake not only shook the land but it also shook the heart of many people and it was like a big alarm that boy we need to do something there, people in Nepal are already very very poor they are one of the poorest people and now they don't have any homes to live on top of that all the villages are gone Like I know a village where there were around 1100 houses and 800 houses are gone, on top of that it, it is monsoon season right? So the minute my dad gave me a call in the middle of one night and he never calls at that hour He's very good about, you know, keeping up with time in U.S. and Nepal And I knew something was wrong. I was actually scared to pick that phone up But when I did he said that there's a big earthquake in Nepal The phone may not work. That's why I'm just calling you to let you know all of us are safe And I couldn't talk to anybody after that for a long time I kept looking in the internet, saw the pictures All I could do was cry, cry, cry And I'm like, oh, this is too much. I need to go home. I need to be there. Uh, You know, people, my job can wait. And that was the kind of feeling I was having. And here also I learned that if you are very spontaneous about your prayers or spontaneous about doing what you want to do, it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Here I was for so many years wanting to do something for Nepal, wanting to do something for people. And you know, because life was going smoothly, I even finished my cardiology fellowship. I started earning a decent amount of salary. And here I was not doing anything, instead, I was kind of almost enjoying my life as you know, being in the United States with all the glory you can get as a cardiologist. But that earthquake shook all my old feelings back, and um, I took leave for a month and just went back. I went back, there was a second earthquake when I was there, and I, I could tell what the fear is like when, when you are in a, in a natural disaster or something like that. There are people for all, from all countries who came and helped. There were some friends from the U.S. who went with us and helped, so uh, I, 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 we opened a, a foundation called Mission Rebuild Nepal, and we started helping a village there where I said uh, you know 1,100 houses were down in a place called Sindhupalchuk, and uh, we took the job of building 800 houses over two years, but they were transitional houses, small ones, but quite decent for, you know, villagers in Nepal, and and that project is already completed, and, uh, you know, we used to go for health camp. When I was in Nepal for about a month, maybe I was home six days would come home, get supplies, go to another area, you know, help that area, come home, get supplies, go to, we would do health camp there. We would distribute logistics like tents and food and these things that people don't have. And so that was just during the earthquake. You know, anybody will do it. If your home is broken, everybody's going to go and fix it. There was not, you know, anything superstar about that. So me and some of my friends felt that, no, we have to continue to do something, about our country long term, so we had opened another not-for-profit called um, Axe Foundation through which we do remote telemedicine where there are places in Nepal you will not believe. You have to walk three or four days to get there and there's no access for any doctors or anything like that. So we teach them how to do Skype or on a laptop and then we hook them up with a doctor in Kathmandu and which is the capital, and they all do telemedicine on a weekly basis, so at least the patients get some benefit and not only that um, there are places where uh, you know the water supply got distracted after the earthquake because they rely on spring water, and when the landscape shifts, the water source shifts, so we had to arrange for those things too, so the water could be given, and shelters could be provided in terms of zinc sheets also helped open a small library in a school and you know just things like that. So basically we continue to do all these activities even as of today. We had made a plan that the next day that we land we're going to go to this place with relief So and so relief needs to be you know. So everything was in place and basically we collaborated with other um, foundations like America Nepal Medical Foundation um, uh, part of which operates from here part of which operates from Nepal and we had some friends related to that and so basically a few of us went from here, not necessarily just Nepalese, there were some friends who were Americans who wanted to help and there were a group of doctors there and so being a doctor, you know, we just teamed up with doctors and later on got volunteers who are pharmacists and just general volunteers to help us, with, you know, setting up the camp or whatever. And um, no, um, we just had the plan in place that, okay, we had a way to identify, okay, this is the place that has not gotten any relief, we are going there. And uh, we used some other organizations' data to do that. So, uh, no, it was very organized. Okay. Very organized. I just didn't emotionally go, just go, you know. Right. So that right. is, I guess, by God's grace, the benefit of being a doctor is that you have a lo- connections here, also there, also, and you learn to go by the data, so that's how they teach us here in the United States. So. No, no. We found out which places had the data about the places. You know, and it could be police, it could be some other organization, and um, they would say that okay, this place that uh, we gave supplies a week ago, they're out of supplies now. Could you go there? And no, no health camp has ever gone there, so we'd go. Like everybody who's who are majorly ill after the earthquake, they were obviously airlifted or something. But there would be a lot of people who would not have taken their medications for days because now everything was under the rubble. They're not educated people. They don't know what medications they took. And their blood sugars would be sky high, their blood pressures would be sky high. Some would have a broken hip and not know what that is because they never bothered to go get it checked. As long as they were alive, they were glad, basically. I was just thankful to be there, to be honest with you, because it meant a lot to me. As one person, you know, it may not have made much of a difference, but. Still, we did. So one thing I really learned during this earthquake is, so the second earthquake happened, right? Right. It happened in a situation where we were going to arrange a health camp in a particular area. So we were set under a building. To do that, we... Didn't realize the building was already cracked in four different places. We should have noticed that, right? See, these things don't come up. You're just going emotionally, like you gotta do this. And we're sitting under that building. Okay, we're gonna let's go start. And I threw a paper on the table, and I don't know how, but automatically my feet are running away to the other side of the uh, of the road, and I. To this day, I cannot explain why my feet started running because I'm very poor in sensing earthquake. I kind of learned because a lot of aftershocks I couldn't feel. And and I look around, like all the people are shouting, earthquake, earthquake, and they're going. And that was when the big second earthquake hit. And uh, you know, obviously we canceled everything. We were very, very scared. We stood there for one or two hours in an open place, you know, thinking, oh my God, what if it happens when we're driving back? Because the roads are so narrow, the houses are on either sides and so you know so many thoughts um so when we went back the one thing i realized that you can either be the sufferer and be suffered and close yourself in but if you have the capacity if you go out and do it your own suffering also goes away for example uh, so that night we had earthquake we you know we slept out in the open you know under a tent but the very next day so all the formal programs were canceled because of the big earthquake. So my brother and I thought, you know, so many houses must have gone down a little far away from my house. You have a bike, you have a motorcycle. Let, let's go and see what has happened. So my brother and I literally just, you know, we were also sufferers, right? But uh, we just thought that we uh, someone else is suffering more, and we need to go there and see what's happening. And lo and behold, there were a lot of people who needed help. They needed zinc sheets and whatnot. So we said, OK, we're not going to stop. And even with our own resources here and there, we started buying tools and stuff so we can at least build temporary housing for them. So we got ourselves busy. So the minute you think you are helpless, if you see a more helpless person and start helping them, your own helplessness disappears. Because suddenly you become a person with capacity. And uh, you know, not just that, you perhaps need a lot of resource to go out there and buy zinc sheets and give. Uh, you know, thankfully, the U.S. job helped me and, you know, all the resources were available. But, even, for example, even my mom, okay, the backyard wall was completely gone with the earthquake and everybody came to our house, behind our house for shelter. And she just felt happy because she was able to serve tea to everybody and give a space to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So right. so that that is something I learned. So two things I learned from this earthquake experience is that, first of all, you have to... Uh, any spontaneous feeling or desire to help someone, you have to fulfill it right away. You have to get up and go. Just like Nike says, it, just do it. And secondly, when you think you are being suffered, try to look at someone who perhaps is in a worse situation, perhaps because of the same natural disaster or in a similar situation, it could be a failure in work or school or whatever. And, and try to help that person, your own suffering goes down. And, and then it becomes so addictive <laughs> you don't want to stop <laughs> the the bliss and the feeling good of serving others is so good you want to keep doing it you know you just kind of find people who need help and you know give here give there and try to help or at least try you know even if you can't do it and uh, you know when another human being responds to you in a positive way and says thank god uh, more than thank you, when they say thank God, that is my reward, <laughs> because they thank God. They know that, you know, uh, it, it, it's in a way God, God is acting through us when we do all of this. That's what I believe, because that's what uh, my Guru Swami said, everybody is the same atma, you know, or the soul. And so when, when they say thank God, you know, I'm, I'm alive, or thank God you guys came with this food, that was my biggest
0: reward certainly being sort of a common source of strength.
1: Yes. I imagine. Yeah. Okay. Totally.
0: Uh, and, then, and then coming back from Nepal, so you said you were only there for about a month,
1: Yes, right? yes.
0: You were there for about a month. You had such major impact, not just individually, but also with the team and with the help of mm-hmm. many different organizations as well. Coming back, what was sort of the steps going forward? I mean, do you have to adapt to life coming back here and the fact that, you know, over here life tends to be relatively more stable and there's not so much of a, you know, how did that change or was that a challenge to sort of adjust back
1: when you came back after one month? So, um, like I said, we left some pro- projects ongoing when we came back. Mm-hmm. We made this foundation called Mission Rebuild Nepal. We were busy with getting it, you know, 501c certified, getting a team ready for that in US. A part of the team was already registered in Nepal. The last day I flew out, I was in actually uh, like a authoritative authority office signing paperwork for that thing. Like I have two hours before my flight, uh, so you know, we got busy with that, all the administrative stuff that needs to go to build a foundation, uh, and we were trying to figure out how to raise funds, you know. Uh, those kind of things, you know, giving presentations in our own hospitals and other organizations and sharing our stories, basically. So we got busy with that. Not only that, this kind of fire got fueled, (laughs) right, since the earthquake, although it was there from before, I feel. Uh, So then I started thinking about, oh, my gosh, these people don't have home. Monsoon just was finished. Now winter is coming, and a lot of people are not going to have home. You knew
0: there was a lot of unfinished work [SSSSSSK] in a a disaster area like
1: that. [SSSSSSK] Yeah, yeah. Yeah. [SSSSSSK] So whatever we could do, you know, like I would send my brother, I would send my brother is still in Nepal, and you'd say, okay, brother, we need to, people in the northern parts of Nepal, which is very close to China, that's going to be very, very cold very, very soon, and they probably don't have any blankets or, you know, kids won't have any sweaters or jackets, and they normally also don't, and so... We made some efforts to distribute jackets and blankets there. And, you know, so more uh, demand would come, and my family members, my brother or someone, would notify me. And with the help of friends or someone, we tried to fulfill those demands, basically. So we kept ourselves busy. When we kept doing that, and the, some of our activities continued a lot even after the earthquake, and there was sort of a team of friends here and in Nepal who were very active. doing this so we decided okay now it's just not about rebuilding anymore so we need to have a formal another foundation where we can you know do anything we want basically any philanthropic activities and we gave rise to this foundation called acts foundation which basically stands for aspire for service and knowledge And I, I'm actually the president of that foundation. We have a general meeting coming actually this April. We had one last year a successful one in Omaha. So we basically try to make uh, Nepalese communities here or you know, non-Nepalese communities aware about our activities. And we basically focus on telemedicine, doing health camps, also doing uh, you know, like medical training to doctors in Nepal from here, and uh, giving medical equipments to rural health centers. And,
0: um, and you said this is like still currently—it's going, going on. on. Okay, I, going I was on. just gonna if this was going to ask. It's an
1: active on? thing. Yeah. Axfoundation.org awesome. is the website, okay. and um, you can participate, you can donate, you can, you know, right. anything.
0: You yeah. started all of this out of pocket, or how did you get initial funding to do much of this?
1: So um we kind of collaborated with an old foundation that was already running a telemedicine. We we felt like okay there's nobody to run this telemedicine forward and we also want to do all these service to people with earthquake, no homes, you know, education, whatever, so we said, okay, let's collaborate, everything, and so there are a few people who were already running the telemedicine and really the cost of just um, establishing a foundation per se is is not that much, we as friends just, you know, pitched it in, and then we just have, we do fundraisers from time to time uh, to get some funding, and, um, a few very good organizations have come up to help us with some donations, and with which we are kind of sustaining, sustaining for now. And we're not very big in terms of, you know, not very popular, not very big right now. But we're trying to do the right thing, and hopefully we'll grow with time. Again, there there are challenges when you work from here and try to motivate people there, you know. But, I mean, doing, the
0: fact that you're doing something, someone's not doing something, you know you're you're taking that step yeah. to do it. I could only imagine it would grow and you would have more support from it. So, yeah. I mean, I commend you for doing it because a lot of people sit on their couch and they watch the news and say, someone should fix this, but you're going
1: on actively doing that, you know yeah, I, I guess so. and thank you for saying that. but um, but once you go and see, i would i would I would bet that no human being can sit without doing you know right, yeah. and there's so much more to fix <laughs> so much more to do still you know not 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 only in the field of health like I, I guess I don't want to say I'm bored with just being a doctor but I just want to say that I feel like when patients don't people don't have the basic needs like they don't even have food to eat I know a place in Nepal where they don't even find rice and um, you know people go to school hungry I, they don't even have like um, they don't have breakfast. They don't have midday. Nothing. So you know it bothers me. Heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. bothers yeah. me. Certainly. So uh, it's so much more to do. You know that's why and and I take inspiration from Swami because he does so many projects so easily, affecting hundreds and thousands of children. For example, the Anupurna program that he runs. I'm, and I'm, this is a secret, and I'm, I guess, saying it publicly for the first time. I have finally identified one school where, you know, I would like to start uh, similar projects, you know, whether formal or informal, but, you know, I, we just have to feed those kids, right? I mean, it, it everything will start small and it will grow, uh, you know, uh, like one of our... Um, senior brother youth brothers, Bobby brother said the other day if you look at the final big picture you always be scared like oh my god how am I going to do that but if you just start small you know hopefully it will grow and you know we just try our best it's better to try you know it's better to die trying than not to try that is my theory I would rather die trying and be called a failure I'll take that but I don't want to die without trying
0: you can't have success without failure so Yeah. yeah
1: That's okay. But at least I'm trying. Absolutely.
0: And you do seem very successful so far. Like you must be such an inspiration to your friends and people around you just to like take these steps to fly out there and not you you're going into not a foreign land of yours but just a foreign situation helping people that are totally helpless and you're like you're the light in their eyes to to serve them this way. And it's constantly been an expansion.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know if I see myself like that from my perspective, when I'm surprised why others are not automatically doing it, you know, I feel like that should be the normal, isn't it? like you know what is there to be so surprised about that's normal, that's your home, its needs you you need to you need to go there and do it. Life is not about. You know, staying in a rich place, enjoying the highways or the scenery or good food or movies you know the real meaning of life is what you do with it when a challenging situation comes when someone needs you, what you do with it that I think that really defines who you are and what you really did with your life you, you know you may not do up to what you know other big people might do, or you know somebody more perfect would do it in a more perfect way i wouldn 't say whatever I did is the most perfect way of doing things. We just did whatever at that moment thought we thought was the best that we could do. But at least we give our best into whatever we think we need to do and, you know, not just uh, oversee things. Because, uh, like Swami said, you know, everybody is the same internally. Someone else is suffering, that's you only suffering. You are helping yourself only, right? So,
0: if you had to if you had to so for for our audience if you had to give them some major takeaways from this experience and also you know in general from, from life so far you, know, you you elaborated very beautifully that life is not just about enjoying the scenery um, you know you, you elaborated that, that life is not just about enjoying the scenery and you know having the good times it's really when there's a challenge that's put up to you. How can you rise to the challenge? Um, And I know that we progress or we get better in whatever it is we do by learning, whether it's through successes or whether it's through failures, we get through by learning. So what would you say, if you had to give a few takeaways, your experiences, what have you learned that you'd say the major, and and I know you said some earlier as well, if you wanna just repeat them, as well for for our yeah. listeners at home who are tuning in.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the most important thing in life is to do the right thing first of all. And by right thing, I mean you know some people will call it right conduct, some people will call it dharma. The right thing to do at that moment is to do whatever you are needed for the most. For example. Uh, if you are needed at your home to help your mother, to help with your chores, at that time it's you know you are that is your duty, that is your dharma, because that is what you see. So, I guess the most important thing to know is that the right thing to do is to do whatever you can to help your society and the, and to help the people around you in whatever way you can. You may not be able to fulfill all the demands, but in whatever way you can, especially so in cases of natural disaster especially so if there is a need and you are not doing it just because you know it makes you feel superior you are doing it because internally the soul is the same of that person and yours and just put yourself in that person's shoes and think how does it feel to sleep on the side of a mountain when it's raining when there's no home you know no heart should be like a stone in that kind of situation. It should melt, and it and that melting of love should you know create a f- force of river called service and you know love should interpret itself in service. you know your compassion, your feeling, the bad feeling you get when you look at the news or something, and if it's doable within your reach, it should interpret itself into service and, and like I said, just do it. <laughs> if you think over it a lot, ponder over it a lot sometimes you know it gets lost and that's what uh, happened to me you know I went to medical school and you know I I was not able to do a lot of things until I really started doing a job and became a cardiologist because mainly I didn't have much resources and also because I didn't have much time and also because I didn't look out for it because unless it's on the news we all think that everything is good but that's not true. (laughs) Once during the earthquake we went to these remote parts and saw that, and we realized, man, it's not just the earthquake that's a problem. This guy doesn't have a skin disease because of earthquake. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He, he didn't go anywhere because there was no doctor. Right. Or, you know, this kid is malnourished, not because of the earthquake, because he doesn't have food to eat. So things are there in the background. Whatever, uh, you know, difficulty people may have, you should uh, try your level best to be useful to the society. Okay. It's fantastic.
0: Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us on the program today. Once again, uh, this is the Lovewood Service Radio. We really had the pleasure of Reishma, Dr. Reshma Tanpa. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you.